listening to Passport 18 with HPH London. I'm seriously excited this morning because this passion pod is as authentic as it gets. Today I'm riding up front with Nick Richards in your white van, although technically it's a silver van, but we'll call it white. And we're going to go around, see what it's like to be HPH for the day. So, so HPH, if you look at my business card, it says manage, maintain, improve. So those are three sort of categories that we work around. So manage is to do with property management and that is sort of you know your day-to-day running of of properties looking after tenants we have sort of a 24-hour call-out policy even on weekends or night time is that quite unusual yeah i mean i the problem is all the keys are in the office which are in my house whenever there's an issue late night old gubbins over here has to deal with it but i think it's probably happened what about once or twice a year happens at awkward hours, which isn't too bad. And you know, you charge accordingly. And it's, a lot of the times, it's people just not knowing how to sort the problem, like not knowing where the fuse board is and things like that. Yeah, so Actually. that's the management side. Then we do manage maintain. So we do a lot of maintenance. So you know, that is building repairs and you know, basically proactively keeping the property in, in good health. And then the last thing, improve, that is basically home improvement. So anything that a client might wish to do to make their house that much nicer. So it's yeah, a whole, whole range it's, of things, it's really. It's completely across the board then, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we try to cover all trades, some of which I do have to subcontract out. Obviously, like, you know, electricians, I need them qualified, and I do have a guy who is NICIC qualified, so he is actually a subcontractor, but all of my other guys are qualified, experienced tradesmen. I kind of feel that if a client knows that you can fulfil those needs they'll generally tend to use you more than someone who specialises in one thing. Because they've basically got one number, which is mine, and the office number. And they'll call me and they'll say, look, can you cover this? And, you know, generally we do. So tell me, how did this come about? Because you don't set up something like that and it, you know, works overnight. So HPH began as, it actually started off as Holland Park Handyman. Back in, it was around about the millennium, I think, by my cousin, Ollie. He basically started off flying around Holland Park... And he kind of grew from there, really. I mean, he put, I think he put a couple of flyers through a, a school and he started getting a lot of work from school. And basically the business just grew and grew and grew and he got, you know, people calling him left, right and centre to, you know, do minimal things from changing light bulbs to, you know, refurbing their house. I joined about four or five years later when I finished uni and I sort of started to develop more of the maintenance and management side of the business. And we kind of got to the stage where you know there was about 40 people on our books it was getting all a bit complicated and that's when we decided to split the company and I set up HBH London which is what we're talking about now and split that from Holland Park Contractors which is what my cousin still runs so this company HBH London has been on its own for probably about two and a half years now you know a lot of the work we get is word of mouth and I've always sort of relied on the fact that you know if you do a good job you manage the client well you know when you're working people's houses I say to my guys, look, just remember this is their house. They're living here. You know, keep dust to a minimum. P's and Q's, essential. Wipe your feet, take your shoes off, you know, ask. Do all these things. Just take care of other people's possessions. You know, and that's what people actually appreciate. I mean, you know, when it's a building site and I was living there, it doesn't really matter because, you know, there's going to be dust and there's that much more work. But, you know, a lot of the work we do is in people's houses while they're there. So I try and stress to all my guys is that, look, you know, we need to keep on top of things and make sure at the end of the day that they're happy with the way we're working and as long as we can do a good job on top of that then they're more, more than likely going to pass on to other people it's just having manners and you know a lot of my guys you might meet them in a while you know they are just very nice family guys and 
they understand that if we do a good job and we're nice to clients and they are going to give us more work and they're going to get more jobs themselves. So it's in everyone's interest really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, when yeah. you first started out, was it something that you were doing full time or did you have to do other work in order to supplement your income? When I started with my cousin? Yeah. Well, oh yeah, I jumped straight in, yeah, and he basically started employing me. And yeah, I just got into the swing of things. You know, I've grown up on a farm, so you know, I've always grafted quite hard. I've always done jobs during school holidays, you know, on building sites and here, there and everywhere. So I've always had a good sort of understanding of building and, you know, how things work. And I mean, you know, from a young age, I've always been really quite interested in how things are made. And I guess it's kind of grown from there, really. So what would you say the biggest challenge has been? I mean, there are quite a few. One is probably getting the price right. Running a business, you do have to think about, right, I need to make money on this, and I need to make profits here and there because I need to cover overheads. You know, I need so many people on my books working for me in order for me to pay myself a wage, to pay, you know, things like rent, insurance, health and safety, you know, the vehicles, things like that. So every time I price any kind of work, I've got to think, right, I've got to pay not only those guys for the work, I've got to pay for all the materials, I've got to pay myself, I've got to pay, you know, all these other things. So that all comes into it, and when, you know, I'm quite honest with my pricing when um, when clients, you know, quiz me about why is it costing this much, and I just say, look, you know, this is what my labour costs are, this is what my material costs are, and then I've got to put, you know, I've got usually got to put 20%. It's usually around 20% on top of that to cover my my management fee, my overheads, and all that. And I think when I'm that honest with people, and they realise that, you know, I always say to them, I'm not trying to screw people out of money. I'm here to do a good job to employ some people, you know, and make myself a bit of money. And that's, you know, that's kind of the ethic of the business, really, is, you know, firstly, it is do a good job, because I'd rather do a good job and break even than, you know, do a really bad job and, you know, make loads of money, because that's not where I'm, you know, getting people to pass my name on. You know, it all starts, really, from meeting the client, the first opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've got to go meet a client at midday today, and, you know, her first impression of me is probably going to be quite important. Then it, then it comes down to organisation because obviously, you know, it's very difficult to put a specific date on something because I've got to guarantee that the previous work that that guy is doing finishes on time. As I said earlier, a lot of what I do is client management. It's keeping the client happy and being honest and truthful about, you know, why I can't do it this week. We're going to have to be three days into next week when we start and things like that. Right, okay, so this is one of the properties we manage just off Portobello Road. And, um, the landlord basically wants us to, I mean, it's of just a one-bed muse at the moment. He wants to turn us into a two-bed sort of house, I guess, muse house. As you can see, it's, it's, it's quite nice. It wasn't actually that bad before. It's amazingly nice. These are the guys. So in here, guys are levelling the floor. If you look where they've put all these new timbers, you can see in the middle there, it's about two inches out. That's how much it's sort of dipping and moving. And so we're just sort of reinforcing it and making it that much stronger and level. Yeah, and until you take it all away, you just have no idea, I guess. You don't. I mean, there's so many things you find. I mean, March in here, you've found, in various properties, you've found stamps, like old ancient spoons and things, in between floorboards. I found the other day we were looking at a leak, and I opened up that access into a ceiling, and I poked my torch down there, and I could see an electric sander, a Bosch electric sander. You you saw that, didn't you, Robert? And I was just like... So, yeah. What's it like to work with Nick? Well, it's fine. He's a very good fella. Very friendly, like the family almost. What do you enjoy most about working for yourself or having your own company? I do get a buzz out of, you know, seeing a job and thinking, oh, this is a bit of a pig's ear, and then, you know, taking a photo on completion and going, look at that improvement, look at that, wow. 
we can do some work, we can. Um, pat on the back. <laughs> pat on the back. Um, but no, there's, there is that, and then there's the flexibility of working for yourself. I mean, you know, I do generally work pretty hard, and you know, I do work quite a lot of probably Saturdays. You know, I've got paperwork to do in the evenings. That is the boring stuff, but it's the most important stuff, really. But then I do have the flexibility of saying, right, actually, I'm going to take Monday off, or, you know, and you do have that kind of freedom. There is the stress of if there isn't any work and you know I have had periods where it's been quite quiet and I've thought crikey you know how am I going to pay you know my overheads and this that and the other but work does generally come around and that's that's the only worrying side of the business is when you know it does go quiet which can happen around you know sort of school holidays periods like that when people don't necessarily want builders in the house I do feel for my guys when I say to them and it's happened only on a very few occasions where I've had to say to them look guys it's not all of them it's you know maybe one guy for a week it's just saying look sorry mate I haven't got anything for you next week you, you know you might just have to put your feet up if I find something for you for a day or two I'll let you know but that you know because these all the guys that work for me are family men they've got families to support um, a lot of them have young children so you know I do feel for them but otherwise you know I'd, I'd take that over the advantages I get with the flexibility and so on. If someone was saying, sitting next to you at a dinner party or something, yeah. what would you give them as advice if they were thinking about setting up something similar? I think it's quite essential to draw up contracts if you're doing a, a big piece of work. Because I've, I mean, it's only happened to me once, and I don't want to name her because she, she makes my skin itch every time I think about it, but I've only ever had one client who hasn't paid and refused to pay. And there were, I, it got to the point about six months having not received any, any kind of payment. You know, I, I sent emails, I wrote letters, you know, I even went round there to try and see her, she was never there. And um, I think it's so important if you do have, I mean, I generally go by the rule of if it's over a thousand pounds, then I'll, then I'll draw up a contract, just get them to sign it, agree to my terms and conditions, and agree to the price. And then you're kind of locked in something binding. And I didn't do it with this one client because I've done quite a few bit jobs for her company before. It was in her own house, and she just she refused to pay. If you have got a big project or someone's going to commission you to do quite a big bit of work, then do just make sure they sign something, because, you know, you can meet people, and, you know, everybody's nice when you first meet them, but, you know, you don't know what they're like at paying, and that's what you've got to do at the end of the day. And it's easier, then. It's like, takes that stress out of it by just getting it made yeah, official. Knowing, and I've, I do find with the business that, you know, all the time people are chasing you for money, and it's so hard to chase other people. You know, it's so hard getting money out of people. You know, even when people say they've oh, they've sent a check, do you rely on that? Have they actually, or are they just thinking about writing it now? I think the problem I sometimes get is I think a lot of people think when I first meet them that I'm too young and I don't know what I'm doing. How have you sort of got over that? Well, I've never actually been questioned about it, though I, I, I've had the feeling that people are thinking, you know, you know, have you done so much of this to know what's what? Um, but then I just revert back to, you know, I said, well, look, have, have a look at our website. I'll give you some references, you can look at the testimonials on the website, happy to take you round previous jobs, and people soon become clear that, you know, it is possible to do something at such a young age, and that's why I would say to anybody who has got a passion or something that they think they're good at, you know, give it a crack, and as long as you've got passion for it, get stuck in. You've just been listening to Passion Pod 18 with HPH London.